Refresh your career with a blended learning course at Griffith College, a flexible study option that combines online and in-class lectures. Dublin, Cork, Limerick. Visit griffith.ie. smell something put that cookie down hello and welcome to the mighty motion picture rangers we're filmmakers we're fans and we're feeling a song coming on this week uh a song about loneliness because once again <laughs> josh and chanster have abandoned me uh but it, once again i have got some guests to fill their places who and in my personal opinion uh, are better replacements do you want to become permanent <laughs> motion picture rangers guys <laughs> We'll kick the others out. Uh, We've got Alex Smith. Hello. Hello, Alex Smith from our sister podcast, My Songs Suck, from uh, on That's Not Canon Productions.com, a very entertaining little podcast about songwriting. And it's got a cool poster as well with their faces on it, unlike us. Uh, And Zane Seaweber is back once again. I'm back. I've never left. He's never left. He has. Whether you can hear me or not. And then, even then, when we can't hear you, you've interjected sometimes with some good points and we carry them through. I'm very intelligent. (laughs) I wasn't Uh, expecting Zane to be in this one. So I was just like, whoa, Zane's in this one. (laughs) Yes. Uh, so we are talking about the songs of cinema, which is why we've got Alex on because you, you're you're a specialist in the song genre of songs. <laughs> song, song, you're a, song you're a, you're a, well, well uh, oh no, we'll get to that in a, a minute. We we'll get into the main topic, but first we always ask, what have you been watching? And uh, Zane, what have you been watching? I have been watching the second season of The Seven Deadly Sins. Oh, is this the one where it's like an anthology-ish thing? No. This is an anime. Hey. On oh, okay. <laughs> uh, is it and good? It is. It's fine. I don't <laughs> know why I can watch it easily. Actually, no, I know exactly why I can watch it easily because there's no subtext. It's only text. <laughs> and, and as soon as someone has like a character development or like they go rogue, they immediately resolve that and <laughs> state why they did it. And it's all about like backstory. And yeah, it's a. Uh, They've introduced a new mechanism in this. Uh, so basically the seven great knights of Britannia set in fantasy world are called the seven deadly sins. And they defeated some demons and they sealed them away long ago, but now the demons are back and they have to fight them and the demons are called the Ten Commandments. And they've introduced uh, a new... <laughs> Uh, Definitely no subtext there, no. <laughs> just at all. They've introduced a new mechanism this season in power levels. Like they always talk about power levels. His strength level is 900. His magic level is 1470. His spirit level is 740, combining to a maximum power level of whatever that adds up to. <laughs> but the bad guy that you're fighting has strength level 13,000. <laughs> magic level 1400. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, uh, it's like... So it's math. <laughs> it's, it's like... Yeah. Dragon Ball Z, <laughs> but without the eternal powering up. The the fight scenes are thankfully very short and it's okay. more about kind of the lore and how they play up against each other, but they're constantly introducing new characters to kind of add to it. And look, it's a brainless watch. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I continue to watch it for some reason. Oh, that's good. And is it a Netflix original? Yeah. Oh, okay. uh, also, or it's on know. Netflix at least. It's, anyway. it's on Netflix. I don't believe it's a Netflix original. They've licensed um, 
Oh, maybe it is. No, my Netflix just wants to play it. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, if it's, no, yeah, I don't okay, know. It's on Netflix. Okay. Hmm. Uh, is that all? That's all. Riveting. Uh, what have you been watching, Alex? Uh, I discovered and binge watched uh, the first three seasons of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend on <gasps> Netflix. Yes! Right? <laughs> oh, that show is fun. I, it, it, I remember when I started watching it, the first couple episodes are a bit rough. And you're like, because yeah. I think, because originally it was meant for another network, like okay. Showtime, which lets you swear and all that. And so they had to reconfigure it yeah. to go to the CW, which is like teen friendly viewing and so i know the first couple but once it gets into it it gets into it it mm-hmm. just took its time for me but i haven't finished season three yet i'm on season three see that's the thing i found that season one because i i heard about it because a friend of mine was like oh you have bpd this character has bpd is it an accurate portrayal and i was like oh i haven't seen it so i was like oh i'll, I'll watch it so i watched it knowing that's where it was going and season one i found like really really good and then season two i would have stepped out because it started to get really trashy and I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll stick around. And um, I don't know, it started, it's like, it was still fun, but I was like, I've kind of, I'm seeing where this is going at this point. It just got, yeah. it gets very, very wild. I don't want to spoil anything, but like, you've, you've seen the things that have happened. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it gets, well, so that's why I like, bit. it's taking me a while to get through three because I'm finding it a bit hard to get through. I, I appreciate that it's trying for some new things that mm. we haven't seen in TV, yeah, depiction yeah. of mental health issues through the lens of a musical, mm. but that's also like a tricky balance to hold and mm. to hold over multiple seasons. So it's weird because season one, I think was a very good portrayal of BPD. And then I think season two, they were like, well, let's lean into the, the crazy. Um, <laughs> and then I think, I feel like someone at the end of season two was like, Hey, this is probably a little bit more damaging than it is. Good. And they're like, oh, okay. So, <laughs> so then they tried to make it like this um, recovery arc. And all the stuff where she's actually like going through therapy and like dealing with stuff, I feel it's a very good portrayal. But then every now and then it'll just be like, <laughs> she'll do this thing and I'm like, oh, that's a, a couple steps backwards. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But, it's uh, it's yeah. an interesting show. Very unique though. Oh yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And it, 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 for the most part, like I, I write songs to deal with my stuff. So like I, I relate big time. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's just not the Rebecca nor a bunch I fell in love with at the uh, the start of season three when she's being really mean for no reason. And I get that she's had her heart broke. I don't know. I'm probably not supposed to talk about the show this long. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Anything else? Or did you just binge three seasons of the show? That's um, predominantly my life at the moment. But um, I also watched A Star is Born recently. That's on my list too. I, okay. Ooh. Wait, wait. Thoughts. Because I fucking hated it. Oh, my goodness. How? Why? It... <laughs> Okay, okay. So I'll, I'll go into Star is Born and I'll tell about everything else I watch. So to me, all I'm hearing is Lady Gaga is a revelation. This is one of the best directorial debuts to ever hit the festival circuit. Mm. And it's heartbreaking and it makes you want to cry and does all these things. And I, and I was trying to block that out because I was wary of it because I saw the first trailer. And I was like, this looks like it's just like a whole lot of handheld mumblecore stuff with and then, then they just shine all the stage lights into the camera and oh how flashy is that yeah. but I was trying to go in with as even a hand as I, th- I thought because I do quite like Lady Gaga mm. e- as an actress as well so I'm trying to be like maybe I maybe the trailer is done to get a certain audience in to mm. the Gaga fans in whatever so I just I went in as neutral as I could and I just I kept waiting for it to be great yeah to be this thing that mm. I wanted to feel from it. And the closest I ever got is when she sings the draft version of Shallow in the car park. 
That was okay. the best musical number because everything else. And then on top of that, like it seems to have this thesis that pop music equals soulless. Yeah. And yeah. acoustic music is the only quote unquote real music. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> your lead is Lady Gaga and yeah. she's credited as Lady Gaga, the literal persona mm. built by that genre of music you're now criticizing. Mm. So I found that really odd. I found the incident at the end of the movie to be really ham-fisted and unwarranted because it was set up very obviously in this one scene maybe 15 minutes before and it was like the only way... uh, This will be a little bit of a spoiler, so pause it for like 30 seconds. Skip it for 30 seconds if you know. Like the only way for her to be success is for his sacrifice. Yeah. And that felt, A, disingenuous to her character and B... It was just like, we want to make you cry, so let's put this in there. And I just didn't react to it. And then I didn't like any of the numbers. And it was shot really bland. Oh, it was, definitely. And and the thing is, is that, like, people are going, oh, it's so... Like, they had a $35 million budget and the cinematographer of Iron Man slash Black Swan. Yeah. Like, you would have to work hard to actually make that less than competent. You can have it... With that much money and those kind of people at your team, you're going to have a competent movie. It's a competent movie. It's not a bad movie. It's just yeah. very unremarkable. Mm. And so I'm kind of, I'm like, this is the film that broke Venice? Like, yeah. how does that, I, I couldn't compute the way everyone's talking about the movie with what I saw. Because if everyone was like, it's a really good, interesting movie, I'd be like, okay. And I probably, if that incident doesn't happen at the end, I probably would have liked it a lot more. That mm. really made me angry because, like, having dealt with shit like that in real life, you're just yeah, like, yeah. oh, this is so trite. Yeah. But well, what about you? Did you did you like it or? I really liked it. Um, I think. Sorry. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> um, I definitely agree with. I remember when I walked out, um, I, I, I remember thinking, like, um, for a first directed thing, you, you, can, you can tell it's the first directed film he did. Um, first film he directed, rather. Um, the cinematography was like there were times where it's, it was just like that was an odd, needless shot, or like that was. It's a very weird like choice. they just had like twelve cameras on every scene, and then yeah. they kind of figured out later it was all handheld and really mm. close up. Which I get if you're going for that documentary style, but I've seen it done mm. so much better. I I didn't know it was a remake at first. So that bit, it, was, a, a, a remake of a remake of a remake of yeah. a remake, like it's well, like I, five movies yeah. in this series. I think that's cool though, because it like updates it's an it interesting, for the modern. Yeah. Um. So when he took like the the fake eyebrow off, and there was that weird shot, I was like, "What the fuck was that?" But presumably, yeah. that's probably a big moment in the other films. Mm. Um. My favorite visual moment of the whole movie was the title card. I really do because that's the title yeah. card from the 1954 Judy Garland. Yeah. And yeah. she does it while singing "Somewhere Over the Rainbow," mm. but the the, the the way it was shot, it was the most calm the camera ever was for the yeah. rest of the movie. And I really like that version of the movie better than what actually happened. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I haven't actually seen the Judy Garland one because you need to put aside three hours. It's it's yeah. a three hour long movie. And then it the is. Barbara Streisand <laughs> one is supposed to be a, like shockingly terrible. And the behind the scenes story about it is like <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. Um, and then the other, other older versions are very, very dated movies. But um. I think yeah. um I think for me I liked it because I cuz uh Lady Gaga did come from like acoustic roots and I think it Did she? Uh I mean I thought so, right? Like she yeah and she yeah. started I thought like, she was a songwriter for like the Madonnas of the world and stuff like that and she went from like a writer she literally went like waitress to song like to ghost writing mm-hmm. songs to her own stuff which was hard pop. No, no, so she she did she had like a whole career 
Like she was, she's or was a flautist for a while. She trained. Mm. Um, no, she's a classical pianist. Yeah, I know that she, she multiple. Uh, but none of that came through in this. This is just like acoustic mm. pseudo country, which is more like what she did post pop. Yeah, I, and like the pop is just what hit for her. Yeah. So and the but that apparently it's soulless. Yeah. <laughs> it's not real art. <laughs> for me, it felt like. This was her kind of going behind the back of her contracts and managers telling her story kind of thing. Like okay. it kind of felt like, you know, I can't say this is my story, but I can play the character in this film who's then forced to like dye her uh, hair okay. and have all these dances. Um, and, it, and it worked for her. Um, I think in terms of like the big thing at the end, uh, I feel like it, I, I think it was very good at, I think it's very difficult to make the audience empathize with the character that makes that decision because i think often the audience generally wouldn't do that themselves uh, for the most part and i think like as i mean i'm probably so like a dick through the whole movie so at that point it i didn't care mm. he was such an <laughs> he was such an unnecessary dick yeah. also He's an alcoholic with abs. Like, that doesn't happen. No, no alcoholic know. has, like, perfect abs. But he did all that swimming and rehab. So yeah. that's how you get the <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I think for me it's that, um, like, because, uh, yeah, I, I kind of I kind of get it. I think it's very, because you can't, you can't deny it. When he says the stuff he says um, before he does it, try not to spoil it. Yeah. I feel like as the audience, you're like, well, yeah, that's true. You know, like, everyone is laughing at her. While she's still with, and like, you know, I feel like it kind of it it makes you like it feels like that's the only option, and you kind of get why he does it, and like the whole time you're like, no, don't do that. But I like it made a lot of sense to me. I was kind of like, please don't, but like, yeah, I get it, you know. But, but part of it was is that like she couldn't succeed on her own merits, uh, and that was that, and like the movie specifically what happens post that event mm. then supports that. It's not like. What he does is senseless mm. and everything like that. And but yeah, it just I don't know. It it didn't feel cohesive. It didn't feel yeah. like everything was perfect. But I can get like people are raving about. It. I just hope it doesn't win anything at the Oscars. Please <laughs> God no. Uh, but also, so if, uh, what else I've been watching? I watched First Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh wow, it's all right. Yeah, I I I, I love Damien Chazelle stuff like Whiplash and La La Land. Mm. But First Man didn't quite do it. Presumably the base of it is because I don't really care about Neil Armstrong as a character. He's very hard to get into. Apparently that's what he was like in real life. Yeah, yeah. So it's an accurate portrayal. That being said, I don't know that that's a really good vehicle to put into a movie yeah. <laughs> to say we're going to have someone who you don't give a shit about. Yeah. But his wife, played by Claire Foy from The Crown, really good. And it's in a really cliche role and she does some really good work. The moon stuff is spectacular though. Absolutely spectacular to watch. Man, fuck space. Yeah. Oh, it's terrifying. <laughs> it's terrifying. Um, I watched a, the pilot of a TV show called The Rookie, ah. which has got Nathan Fillion as it's based on a true story about a guy who, like, in his mid forties, joined the police force to become a rookie. I've heard about that. Yeah, it's like it's fun. It's very TV, but it's fun enough that I'm going to keep going with it, as opposed to a lot of other pilots where I saw the pilot and I'm like, Jesus, nut. Nah, I've seen yeah. the whole show now. Uh, and then I saw, uh, to maybe tie it into music again, uh, I saw last night, I literally saw it's a Scottish zombie Christmas musical <laughs> called Anna and the Apocalypse. What? And it is a fucking delightful movie. It's basically <laughs> like, it's Shaun of the Dead, the, the, the quote that they keep viewing up, and it's pretty accurate, it's Shaun of the Dead meets La La Land. <laughs> and it is so good. I'll send you a link 
Uh, and I'll put a link in the, the show notes. Uh, it's really good. It'll hopefully, it was like a one-off festival screening here in Brisbane. I do hope it comes to DVD because it's really good. It's like a pop rock musical sort of thing. Yes. Just kids, high school kids surviving the world going to shit around them. Mm-hmm. And with these really kind of cool, catchy tunes and everything that I, I adore. This, this is in my, one of my favorites of the year so far. I've been waiting for it for like over a year since I heard about it. Love that. Going in one festival and I'm like, is it coming here? Is it coming here? Finally got here. I'm like, I'm booking my tickets. I don't care how late it is. I'm going. And I went and I'm so glad I did. It's brilliant. So we're talking about songs. And a little bit about yourself, Alex. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm a musician. I'm called uh, Your Man Alex Smith because Alex Smith is too common. Your Man Alex Smith on Spotify and, and on Bandcamp iTunes. And iTunes. Bandcamp. Yes. Yeah. I, that's just uh, where I bought the the one the blue album the guilty one. guilty that's it <laughs> and depending when this episode comes out uh, I've got a single launch at the Flaming Galar December fourteenth and uh, before that uh, my single will be coming out on Spotify November fifteenth we will put links to all of that in the show notes and it, our episode should be out before that so we'll Wonderful. so December fourteenth for the gig for the gig at where uh, the Flaming Galar which at the is Flaming Galar from Roma Street Station right near Roma Street Central Brisbane if you are there come and see it I've seen one of Alex's live shows and they are pretty damn amazing you got a really cool fan group <laughs> that yeah. actually show up that you like you didn't organize to sh- like you didn't pay them to yeah. show up like they're people who like really are into your music and everything like that. it's fucking cool thank you so uh, mm-hmm. that's really cool and we've got uh, Alex on because Alex has a podcast your songs my songs suck oh god right? I yeah. did it I did it <laughs> <laughs> my song suck. Where you and uh, James Kehoe yeah, uh, interview um, musicians and they talk about their the, the songs that they don't particularly like of their yeah. own. Is that it? Is like like the throwaways, the 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 older drafts mm. of and things like that. So you get to really dig into the songwriting process, which I think is really cool because a lot of people want to talk about great how, stuff how great as now, it's already yeah. done. No one wants to kind of talk about the learning process because I think every creative person, I know I go through that with our scripts, you know, everyone goes, Chinatown is one of the greatest scripts ever made and apparently the first draft it was incomprehensible (laughs) and bad and they had to spend two months locked in a hotel to rewrite it and then it's now the screenplay that everyone cites as a masterpiece. So nothing ever starts out great and I think it's really clever that your podcast actually goes into that. Mm. So, yeah, you can listen to that. Yeah, anyone can be good at writing. You just got to keep doing it. Yeah, yeah. It's what is it, 10,000 hours of something makes you an expert or whatever. Yeah. There's that. So songs, not scores, question mm. mark. I thought um, mm. we talk about songs in movies because music, not not in terms of film score mm. or in terms of like musical numbers or, and we'll get into a detail about what that is, but like what are the different kinds of uses for songs in movies and TV? Uses? Uses of songs, yes. I well, mean, I, 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 I'll, I'll go into a little spiel because I'll, I'll drop. <laughs> I was like, I was trying to throw it there because I realized I've just monologued for like a lot of it. Um, well, I'll use these two words because they get dropped quite a lot in film study stuff. There's diegetic and non-diegetic, uh, and the two terms diegetic means it's in the world. So if someone has got a music speaker in the scene and they hit play and music comes like out in of a it, car when they turn the radio yeah, on, that's, or if that's, they literal record player and they start the record. Yep, playing. or they're playing on the piano and sing along. That's called diegetic music or diegetic, you know, you can have diegetic sound effects. It's like happening in the world of the movie. World of the movie, yep. And non-diegetic is the film score, narration is non-diegetic, uh, certain sound effects, you know, like the, you know, the, the little slide flute in a, in a comedic sort of trip on the banana and the slide flute, that's a non-diegetic sound effect because that's not what it sounds like in real life. Uh, really? 
Yeah, and even and <laughs> and musicals are an interest. Like musicals, something like La La Land is an interesting thing because musicals break the, uh, the, the they say they break the diegesis because they're singing along to music that isn't there in the scene, mm. and they're choreographed. Sometimes, and, sometimes some some aren't. Something like A Star Is Born is a diegetic mm. musical, so yeah. I, I I refer to those as music movies as opposed to musicals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So something like Pitch Perfect is a music movie to me. We'll say uh, Cabaret. Would be that was um, an interesting one I wanted to bring up because technically it's all diegetic. It's all diegetic, and, but and if you interpret it as the cabaret club being something in her mind more than the, I mean, if you interpret it that way, but the movie <laughs> never tells you to interpret it. No, that way. no, movie... but it's also it abstracts <laughs> the cabaret club from the actual events. The user is not like I'm off to work, and you follow her into the club, and then she gets up on stage and sings. They just cut to the number. You do on see stage. her head to the club. Okay, you do like at Been the beginning of the I've movie. Cliff definitely goes. I know this great place called the Kit Kat Kit Kat Club, and then they are in the Kit Kat Club. Oh, okay, um, and yeah. then it's a matter of like I've been I can't work at the Kit Kat Club anymore, so can I live with you, please? Um, <laughs> Leech. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there's uh, so some non diegetic when they use uh, songs like pre existing songs for a movie uh, for the soundtrack as opposed to the score. And the, the term that the industry term is called a needle drop, as in the needle on a on a vinyl player. Um, and you'll hear a lot of directors talk about the needle drop in this and there, and they're almost always talking about Martin Scorsese, who's just very well known for this or kind Edgar of thing. Wright. Edgar Wright, Tarantino, yeah. all those kind of things. But those guys are the ones that sort of start talking about needle drops uh, in that sense. Uh, what have I got here? There's heavy use in the 70s, bit of a history. I'll, I'll, a little bit of a history of the spiels. The 70s was sort of like the big one for it as opposed to pre that. It was a lot of old Hollywood where they'd have the machine and they'd be making their own songs in studio, yeah, things yeah. like that. And the 70s was the first ones to kind of go, let's put some pop music into this thing and, synchronize it in this really bizarre way that's really kind of catchy. And you have the students of the 70s, the Tarantinos of the, of the world that take existing songs and they reappropriate it. Notting Hill is a really good example of really clever needle, like really great needle drops in very mm. modern kind of cinema. TV, huge in television. <laughs> Not always great. Well, <laughs> that's a, I think film, you have so much time that you can compose something and money to license a better stuff (laughs) well well i i think it's it's quicker and possibly cheaper to license something that already exists rather than create something specifically for a project but even like license like i mean the the example is like all the cw shows Mm. and there's always Mm. just this really trashy whatever is the the (laughs) pop ballad of the top 40 and like Smallville did this all the time, except I really loved when Smallville did it. Mm. But they had like My Immortal by Evanescence in an episode because I was rewatching this a couple of years back and I'm like, oh God, that just, it dated the mo- the, the episode really terribly. Well, Buffy yeah. had like legitimate uh, yeah. acts. They had yeah. like bands play at the yeah. bombs. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I know Smallville did one really good one. It's that, uh, you know, the, the Superman song that I can't stand a fly. Oh, yeah. And they used it in this kid like dying of leukemia. And then because it's like a Superman thing because it just kind of synced a little differently. Yeah. But like, I mean, the go-to thing is like the CW show with like the bad pop music. You know, it can you say be bad. It's just pop music. It was pop emo songs. It's always the pseudo ballady that kind of stuff. That doesn't make it bad. <laughs> um, yeah. And the idea behind those kind of needle drops is usually like a, a lyrical synchronicity mm. or, and I learned, I Googled the term for this, or a dissonance. So when some kind of like happy song is played over like unhappy yeah. images, 
for example, What a Wonderful World in Bowling for Columbine mm. is a, a really sort of iconic example. And the term for that is called contrapuntal scoring. Ooh. So, yes, uh, a really iconic example of this is We'll Meet Again being used in Doctor Strangelove towards mm. the end, which mm. is a... Oh, fucking! Have you seen Doctor Strange Love? No, I got it for DVD. For it's a, it's a, f- it's a great movie. It's a really great I've movie. Heard very good thing. Weirdly more relevant now than it probably was about five years ago. So, uh, huh? I wonder why global nuclear warfare would be more relevant now than five <laughs> years ago. Uh, so, what can a song do in a movie or show that the visuals alone cannot? I think. Um, and I'm worried that I'm going to step on my own toes. Oh, no, we're good. We're good. Because um, I've got notes. I think that it's good because songs bring with them a lot of uh, preconceived symbolism. And you can have like a riff start and then the audience immediately knows like what that song is, what it represents. And then if it plays when a certain character walks in, they're like, oh, this character is this way. Yeah. Um, and I think that's... that's I mean, that's the, the, cool the, the known thing is like the badass slow motion entry yeah. to some kind of... Uh, the 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 big one is um the one I love is in Kill Bill the mm. battle without Irony. honor or humanity oh. it's yeah it's it's them it's when they walk in the song the song cue is called battle without oh, honor or yes, humanity yeah. it's a dun 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 when she walks in with her yeah yeah with her posse and it's just such a badass entry like that's sort of the 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 known thing I think also like music's like kind of like a universal language yeah in that way like math I guess but it's also like a prepackaged message yeah so you can have a a a very like high energy high impact like i feel invigorated and excited by this song and you put that into a scene and you automatically like switch that or flip that switch in in the audience going like this is what this scene is going to be this is what you're getting ready for without giving them any visual Clues that what's yeah. coming up. A use of that just recently is in Deadpool 2, where they use Thunderstruck by ACDC. Yeah, yeah. And I was really worried because I there's a, an adaptation of a comic book that I want to do, and I have the this sequence set to Thunderstruck by ACDC in my head, and it is pretty in my head. It's very very amazing. And as soon as I heard Thunderstruck starting in Deadpool, I was really worried because I was like, they, if they use if you use it well enough, you basically tie a song that didn't exist with the movie to that number. A really yeah. well-known example is um, Stuck in the Middle with You. We talked yes. about this last week. Yeah. Stuck in the Middle with You, cutting off the ear in Reservoir Dogs. I cannot we hear that may song. We mention that. We may off. mention that. I, <laughs> I can't, like, they'll play it every now and then at work and all I can think of is Michael Madsen yeah. dancing around and cutting off an ear. Uh, and it just ties so perfectly well. But I've, I've got, hopefully, the my sequence to Thunderstruck is pretty iconic. Hmm. Uh, and I was worried when that started. I was like, oh, shit, is Deadpool going to do better than what I can do. And then, and then they kind of just had it underscoring as opposed to really tying it with the moment. Um, I think that's actually probably where it kind of, we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Especially when movies cut or, or block to the beats of the song. Baby driver does this all the time. Yeah. Yeah. As Shaun of the dead in the the number where they're bashing the guy (laughs) to the beat of the jukebox. That, that might be like this taken to the extreme. Whereas you can just put, song in there to set the mood let the audience know what's going on and what the kind of feel of the scene is and then that is all that it gives or you can actually uh author a scene specifically to a song yeah and it's almost Um, like a musical number but for people who maybe 
don't like spontaneous breaking out yes, into songs yeah. they've never heard before. If it's a song they've heard before, like you said, they can bring something that they have with that song mm. to it. And even if they haven't explicitly heard it, they know of it. It's something like, you know, when you, they use mm. a lot of old, old 50s and 40s songs into a lot of modern stuff now. Yeah. Even in video games, like, um, has anyone played Fallout, Fallout 3? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't want to set the world. You know, the ink spots are really yeah. great. I wanted to, on my film, um, Rake and Hell, now available on Vimeo On Demand. Star <laughs> still isn't here. To, uh, <laughs> to pimp that. There's a picture ranger for 20% off your purchase or rental. That is correct. Oh, nice. Very good. Um, uh, I wanted, I had a, the the song by the Inkspots, uh, it's a lovely way to spend an evening mm-hmm. and I wanted that to be the end credits music as, you know, the curtains close over this massacre mm-hmm. and I wanted this it's a lovely way to spend an evening playing because the lyrics are just so, you know, contrapuntal to what you just saw mm-hmm. and I couldn't, they wanted like four and a half grand to Jesus. license that because it was too, it was, I had to, cause it was, it's a recording of like a, a, a standard. So you had to license. And then on top of that, the lyrics and the music are separate yeah. people. So you had to license the lyrics, the music and the recording all together added up there. And they were about like one to two grand each. And then yeah. all up, it was like four mm. and a half grand. And I'm like, oh. music copyrights insane. <laughs> I know. Like I get it. Yeah. But at the same time, can you not make, I just want to use it for yeah. this one thing, but you know, hey, Shane, just write your own. <laughs> That's what I did. I sent it. I sent. I sent the song to my composer. I said, "Can you just do as close to this as possible without l- causing, you know, <laughs> legal, yeah, litigation?" That, but we didn't have lyrics. I wanted lyrics, mm. but I, and I tried writing an original one, but I'm not a great mm. songwriter in that sense. I can do things, but I, I don't have like the musical knowledge to do it. Anyway, on a uh, similar point, a, an interesting thing is that, like, yeah, just like you can have an actual song, like I don't want to set the world on fire. But there are also, now that we've heard enough music, there are kind of like tropes. So if you have like a vinyl scratch and then someone being like, oh, but it's like not a song that's Opera ever heard. is always yeah. played to some, like, and for The Godfather mm. did it. Opera playing to like murders yeah, is yeah. so <laughs> overdone. And we can like recognize songs that don't exist because they use the tropes of songs that do exist. Yeah. So even if it's a completely original song. You can be like, oh, this means this because it's this song. Yeah, because it's following chord progressions, it's yeah. following song styles and genres and mm. and and lyric, you know, rhythmic yeah. stuff. I know I should be more articulate. <laughs> I do. I ha- I'm like up to grade four in music theory, so but I should know like, a little even bit more. Like just down to genre. Yeah, like mm-hmm. that. Uh, they are an Ishi entrance scene. You could have a very dramatic scene to opera. But what you got was a much more kind of upbeat hip hop sort of um, modern take, yeah. Where and that was related to the character and what she was doing, yeah. Rather as opposed to because she was moving forward, where a lot of the characters were Arrested Development back in the day, and so yeah. In especially in the second movie, the music is entirely different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think um, uh, a good example of seeing the, uh, Black Panther. Mm-hmm. And the music in Black Panther, the needle drops and that. And even though they had songs written for it, mm. but and you'd heard hip hop used in a bunch of things, but then when you see it in Black Panther, it just feels like so. It carries a lot more weight in that mm-hmm. movie from that. So and whatever got it's, it, but it it functions like a musical number in where the emotion peaks at a point where only a song can really express mm. a feeling because yeah. it's not something you can articulate visually or with a performance. I think I like it because it can also foreshadow as well. Yep. And like if you've if you've got someone walking into a house like, hey honey, but the music's like and like some sad songs it's like, oh, she's getting cheated yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. cool. And like if you if they share a moment, if they share a, a moment 
and it kind of like a song represents their relationship and then later when it's just like oh so we're just leaving and then like you kind of have like the riff from that song play the audience is like oh yeah they were friends this is sad yeah and, it yeah. Kind of reminds and in of- horror movies when you hear some child's lullaby mm. you're like shit's about to go down <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> every time uh, so when is it done poorly badly and stuff um, Zane, you'll have views on this. <laughs> Suicide Squad. Oh, yeah. Where yeah, they've just yeah. inserted pop music and popular stuff because they've seen it done elsewhere and it isn't incorporated into the actual. And it's flow very and on theme. the nose. There's like very much the devil so. and there's something, and it's like it just matches like to a T what's going on. Yeah, well, they've just gone like, I need a song about devils. And they've <laughs> looked up Spotify and was like, ah, oh, that. Seems to fit, and then yeah. they've kind of made a music video to that song. Yeah. Uh, I think the music should serve the film, not the other way around. Yeah, uh, and, and Suicide Squad is very much it exists to sell the soundtrack. Yeah, there's yeah. this hyper compilation yeah. thing. A lot of the Twilighty esque movies of that day always had that. They had some weird emo rock music from some yeah, artists yeah. you'd never heard. Yeah. Fifty Shades. Movies yeah. did this big time. Yeah. Although, albeit every now and then they'd had like some sultry cover of a well-known song and you're mm. like, that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. I get what you're going for, but it's very clearly only there to sell the album. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, Cheesy is one where it can kind of just really, and, and a lot of TV slides into this just so easy. It's what actually drew me off The Walking Dead when they swapped showrunners. The episode in which, and you can literally tell the episode in which one was fire and the other was brought in because at the end they do that thing where they cut to a clip of all the characters in the show with like a pop music song going <laughs> over it. Every show does this about every two or three episodes. The only time I saw it done really well and emotional I like that I like was in The Haunting of Hill House, which we mm-hmm. talked about last week. They've done it a couple of times and I didn't expect it to nail it as well as they did. I was like, oh, God, pop song. Oh, no, wait, shit. Okay, this is good, <laughs> you know. Uh, uh, teen dramas, though, are like big criminals of this kind of. Well, that, that's the thing. Teen dramas, they're not, they are made to appeal to a specific audience, mm. and that specific Let's audience. There's Paramore in there. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, that's, that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is what our audience is listening to. If we put that in there, that's going to give them another reason to like the show. Yeah, yeah. And it's sort of a predecessor. That is something like Elm Street 4, yeah. which when we talked about it, that just has so many unnecessary needle drops that are just like whatever the cool 80s pop was of the moment and it just comes in and yeah. it's so grating and so ugh. And um, teens is when you're most likely to like hook into a song and have it be your music taste forever. So it makes sense for TV shows to be like, let's sell this yeah. song to the youth and make Because <laughs> if you've got like this whole character arc, so they're already invested and they're like, that song makes me think of this thing. Yeah. So and you got like, like the OC, money. that, uh, what's that song when Marissa died and it just became iconic? <laughs> what you say? Yeah. <laughs> what you <Yeah>. say? <laughs> Dawson's Creek was another one that did that. Mm. That was sort of the, the big one that kind of kicked off that trend though. Mm. Um, and then you'll see like a lot of really bad imitators of Scorsese, Tarantino kind of thing where they're like, yeah, ooh, yeah. I'm that cool. I'll put my favorite songs over this movie. And you're like, they're not picking their favorite songs. They're picking a song that fits that they like the music, yeah. but it's it's integral yeah. to the movie. Um, and it's not it's because it's not just about a cool piece of music with some cool filmmaking. Mm. It's about like a weird unspoken synchronicity almost. Yeah, yeah. Mm. well, um, it is it is because songs do some of the work of a film. Yeah, like they can set a tone. They can s- tell a story. 
And I think you, if you love a song and that, that song influences your film, I mean, Baby Driver by yeah, like I think that is very much influenced by the music that he wanted to incorporate into the movie. Yeah. I think so they can work together very well, but if you don't have that, connection in your brain and you're just like i want to have a popular song in this scene of my movie you forcing it is, suicide squad is pretty obvious <laughs> yeah yeah uh also sex scenes with bad music yeah. always stick out because it's just bordering on porno like tacky <laughs> yeah. porno level like I've the room seen, yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> i've seen a couple of movies a couple of indie movies where they have some sex scene and instead of trying to find an interesting way it's like slow-mo stripping off to some really bad the cinemax yeah 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 it's just it, it it grates on you and you can tell like immediately yeah. when it's not right uh so when is it done great uh it's done great i find the most effective uses of of diegetic music is when it immediately turns a scene around yeah so it it, it in this new element elevates the scene yeah uh so like you said stuck in the middle with you uh, in because that's seen on its own. Actually, I wonder if it's like a, the scene should work without the needle drop, and then the needle drop, yeah, transforms it even further in, into something else. It kind of elevates it out of what it it was, which yeah. was a horribly violent scene. But then it kind of takes it into this fun psychopathic place, yeah, where you're like, he's really enjoying this. Whereas before, he could have just been doing it to get. The end, which is basically cutting off and hurting yeah. a police officer, but like the the music adds this whole level of enjoyment to it that that song brings out in the audience. And while we're not enjoying the pain that he's inflicting, we're enjoying the music, and so it kind of brings this weird like uh, complicitness to the yeah. audience. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's sort of like it's part of the magic in movies is because we don't we our lives aren't scored but we try to <laughs> you know people walking around with the headphones all the time scoring mm. their lives to songs mm. so it kind of is this weird it's very unreal it's an unrealistic thing to score with either a needle drop but diegetic is a little more of a different thing when it's actually played in the in the in the scene but even even so it's like you know we don't often you know if we're, we're at a funeral we don't sit there and play uh you know the 69th street bridge song whatever yeah, the hell yeah. it is 59th street bridge song you know we normally play something that suits the mood and so when you're hearing this contrapuntal thing it's kind of very interesting i mean i score my life it just takes a lot longer <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah you literally score your life um and it can also make like a great scene like iconic mm. like really iconic where we've said like you can no longer disassociate the song uh, I've got, you know, some examples that, you know, we've stuck in the middle with you, but some examples that like a thousand miles and white chicks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You cannot separate those two or yeah. one that I don't, um, uh, I don't adore, but in, um, uh, uh, to lose a guy in 10 days and it's the, uh, um, um da, 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 no, 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 it's, it's, da, da, da. The, That's, is that Jules? It's the one. No, no, <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> with the big band. Oh no no no! I love you, Can't take my oh no no! That's you. ten things I hate about you. I'm talking about sorry. How to lose a guy in ten days has Damn, that ten um, movies. Oh, what, what's but the also also my best friend's wedding. The yeah. family singing yeah. the song. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, or um, it's not called Mad World. It's called something else. But Mad World in Donnie Darko. 
Oh, by Tears for Fears. It is called yeah, Mad No, World. the song actually is actually called something. The actual title of the song is something not called Mad World. It's just because Mad World is the most repeated lyric. Everyone calls it Mad World. And so they're like, kind of like, eh, call it Mad World. We don't care as long as you pay for the song, you know. <laughs> but that became like really hard, iconic. And, and it's people- literally listed as Mad World by Tears for Fears. It, 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 Album The Hurting. Go to the actual can go other like, recordings. Gary Jules, Mad World. Jasmine Thompson, Mad World. But what's it? It has an alternate. T- can you like Mad World actual title? Mad World alternate title. Ooh, because I it's I legitimately think it's it's actually technically called something else. Also, I accidentally mistook the question and stood on my own toes, so I'm oh, just what? bite my what lip question? on this one. Uh, I put it as what is it when it's done great. And I, I've I've got it. Oh, I said all my stuff earlier. All <laughs> oh, right, no, no, no. Because I mean, they kind of roll into each other anyway. If you're talking about the bad stuff, you can't talk about how bad stuff works without how great stuff how works. Stuff work. uh, oh, Jingle Bell Rock from Mean Girls. Yeah, <laughs> that scene is is hard. A lot of like early two thousands movies mm. really kind of hit hit those moments. Well, have you got yeah, an alternate music. title? No. Ah uh, man, it has a, a B side title. Called tears ideas and opiates for fears. It's actually called something else. We are gonna like settle this on air. <laughs> oh, look! I'm pretty sure by now it's called Mad World. Oh my god! I why can't find it... any reference to it being called anything else. It actually Mad oh World god. was intended to be the B side for the second this band's second single, Pale Shelter. You don't give me love. God damn it. It has a title because I came across it the other day. And I'm like, oh, no, it's actually called something else. Anyway, and I had an argue with someone, which is where I first learned about it because I was like, no, it's called Mad World. And they're like, no, it's not. Uh, he made a joke saying that he should have called it Bourgeois World. <laughs> no, no, that's not it. It's like it's like three words. as like people for you or something. I don't know. Anyway, uh, anything else about songs and music? Anyone else? Any other notes? Or do we want to move on to our top fives? Um. I, I don't I don't have any other uh, any other notes like when it's done when it's done well it's you can tell them when it's yeah. done poorly it's like it's very Ugh, obvious it's yeah you just you just cringe I mean it's like my kingdom to actually do sequences that but as an indie indie filmmaker you cannot afford yeah. needle drops just yeah. period you either have to write your own which is a whole bunch of work in and of itself especially if you're not used to writing music so I tend to just rely on score and I'm like, when I'm a famous filmmaker, I'll just go to my music supervisor and I'll be like, hey, give me this. Mm. Yeah. And they'd be like, sure thing. And I'll be like, thank you. I think, yeah, I think it's a it's a oh sorry, do you have a- I was gonna say I think when it's done badly, it's kinda like you're watching the movie and then the director behind you starts kicking your chair and it's just like start crying. Start yeah. crying now. <laughs> like I, I don't want to cry now. Yeah, now is when you cry. I'm like I don't want to cry now. Yeah, yeah, that's a hundred percent. It's the director kicking your chair and telling you what to feel, <laughs> and then and then because they're doing that, it almost willfully makes you want yeah. to feel it less than maybe yeah. you were. Just I like that it. when it's done poorly. Like I like the songs less. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. They have the power to ru- just as you yeah. can make a song iconic. They have the power to ruin a song as well. Uh, well, that's a really good place. And let's go on to our top fives. Uh, we'll start with you, Alex. What are your top fives? I'm going to start with the ones that I might mentions? be wrong. Do you have um, honorable mentions? I do have, well, I've got a bunch and I've got one that I think are more correct than the other. I got really up in my head and confused about what <laughs> might have been right. But uh, I think Golden Years uh, from A Knight's Tale. You know okay. that scene it's been a while dancing? since I've seen it, but they have like a dance and it starts all like old timey music and then it drops into Golden Years by David Bowie. But more accurately, I think We Will Rock You from A Night's Tale because they're yeah. definitely yeah. that's the crowd singing it. 
Um, as you said, Shaun of the Dead, don't stop me now. Um, <laughs> like all of Baby Driver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah just yeah. all of it. The oh, whole, because it. It it's literally wall to wall soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, and it's a funny story about that in that, because it's a known thing that if you're writing a script, don't mm. write the song you want in the thing, because then when you're shopping it around, the, the music licensor knows you need that song because yeah. it's written into the script, so they'll charge you more. So the idea mm. is you don't tell them and mm. then you can negotiate for less. So when Baby Driver happened, it was like it was a huge task. That music supervisor, she was like got to be one of the best in the business because she yeah. had that many songs and it could not separate from the two and she got all of them. She licensed yeah. every single one of them. I actually really love Bell Bottoms now because of that yeah. movie. Yeah, it's such a cool song. <laughs> Uh, I think uh, Johnny Be Good from Back to the Future. Yeah. That's, yep. that's a good one. Um, I'm going to say the opening from Emperor's New Groove because technically that's a dude singing it. He's yeah. like, theme song guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are like, oh, in Googling this, there's like, uh, you can have sort of like the, um, uh, like in the Mel Brooks thing when the, in, in, in Blazing Saddles when you come across the orchestra playing the music. Yeah, like yeah. technically it's now mm. diegetic music, yeah. not non-diegetic. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Way to find a loophole. Yeah. <laughs> I've also got uh, "Ain't No Mountain High Enough" from Guardians of the Galaxy, or I think the one at the start when he's kicking ooga, the lizards. Ooga, ooga, yeah, yeah. Um, what's that called? That's, that's hooked on a feeling. That's hooked, hooked on a feeling. feeling. Yeah, I mean, everyone knows that one from that. <laughs> it's funny because my mum, she didn't even like the show, but she had the Ali McBeal soundtrack, and that was like the go-to song from Ali McBeal, and so I heard that song. All the time. That was the baby up. dancing yeah, song. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and so when it came into into Guardians of the Galaxy, I'm like, oh, the Ali McBeal song. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas everyone else didn't have that same reverence. And uh, just the young ones. If you ever watched the young ones, because they used to have like have not not yet. Oh, you haven't seen no. the young ones. You would love the young ones. It's a it's a British. Yeah, you know Chance, about yeah, the young ones. Yeah, chances told me to certain, watch it. You won't like it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it's okay. a bit shit. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they have a. I think every episode they have like a, a British yeah. band come on and play a song and they do stuff in the background. Yeah. It was a really weird show. It was a good show. Yeah, very weird. You got to be in the mood. Sometimes I'm like, this is really funny. And sometimes I'm like, eh, I could do without it. Yeah. I'm usually the latter. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me feel dirty to watch the young ones. Oh, it's really? Very, you know, sometimes... Like Britain has this culture of like sometimes it's very posh and sometimes it's just very dirty. Yeah, there's like dirty Britain. Young ones is dirty Britain. <laughs> I'm British, so I can say this. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm not British, but watching the young ones makes me think of like if Train Spotting was a sitcom. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that. Yeah. That. A funny sitcom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sitcom is situational comedy, so funny sitcom is redundant, but uh. Oh my funny! Oh, no, you can always have a funny situational comedy. It's just you can also have an unfunny situational comedy. It's just like a and bad comedy one. is in inverted commas. You know, <laughs> sitcom. Yeah. But I think that's all my my top five, which was actually like seven. Yeah, no, go ahead, go ahead. So there you go. And there, whichever ones didn't make sense, they were my own rule. Oh, do you have? Oh, oh, sorry, 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 that's that's your list. Okay, uh, yeah. so you get to pick which ones weren't on my list. Yeah. I'll do mine because I have a few, and then I know you'll probably have I several. Because I, I don't, I only have my top five. Oh, really? Okay, well then we'll go you because okay. I found doing this it was almost like the the lines of dialogue episode we did where I was like, fuck, oh, and there's that number, and there's, I've even written several on my hand because I remember them on my way here. I'm like, shit, those are really good moments. Yeah, <laughs> I there were so many I didn't want to honorable mention it, and these are honestly really the ones that stick in my head yeah um my number one is super obvious 
so number five is from Drive, a real hero. Yes. In the car oh, yeah. with, with the girl. Mm. Like that is an amazing scene. And for a movie that uses so little dialogue, this method of communication very important yeah. and so well done in this movie. Yeah. Uh, very great. American Psycho, hip to be square. Hey, that's yes, a good one. Yes. <laughs> this is one of those uh this is one of those iconic ones where this scene I don't know whether they picked the song for this scene beforehand or whether it was just <laughs> what they got, but like yeah. this song is forever tied to this scene. Yeah. Yeah. Like my number three, which is stuck in the middle with you by Steeler's Wheel and Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Very similar scenes. Um and then number two is one of the ones again, this scene is not the same without this song. Uh, Apocalypse Now, Ride of the Valkyries. Yes. Yeah. I've seen that sequence. I haven't seen the movie. I own it on Blu-ray and I just, I'm like, I need to be in the mood for a nihilistic epic war film. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I'm not often in that mood. <laughs> uh, to be fair, I think the movie does a good job of putting you in that place. Yeah. Like you don't have to go into it with a mindset to enjoy it. I think it will put you in that mindset yeah. and you will enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but not only is that one of my favorite songs of all time, problematic artists again, yeah. uh, <laughs> but that tying into that scene and that whole kind of feeling of the movie is a great setup. That's that really pays off throughout the whole thing. Yeah. And my number one, is the Woohoo song by the five, six, seven, eights. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. I fucking, that's the yeah. tracking shot too. Yeah. We used it with the tracking shot. Do you know this? So um, in Kill Bill, it's the Woohoo, Woohoo. Oh. And it's like surf music sung by a, a female Japanese yeah, band. Yeah, an all female uh, Japanese girl band. Uh, in Kill Bill. Yeah, and the story <laughs> behind it was he wa- he knew he wanted to do this tracking shot. Have you seen Kill Bill 1? Uh, not all of it. Not all what? Of it. I know I'm garbage. I'm Get wrong. out of my house. There's a sequence all through this final big house and it's done in this giant tracking shot, this very elaborate tracking shot. And he knew he wanted to do that and he had no idea what music to set it to. Mm. And he was in like a, a shop at the Japan airport after mm. a location scout Heard it on the heard it on the the soundtrack that they were playing. He bought the CD off the shop. It wasn't selling CDs. He just <laughs> bought the CD that they had and found the band, and then they actually play the song in the movie during that sequence. Yeah, it's such a great band to play the song. Yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, okay, I have several honorable mentions. Uh, one of them is Inception. Non je ne regrette rien. Oh, yeah. oh, it's such yeah. a really integral narrative use as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got. Uh, in Miss Congeniality, one of the slow motion entrances to Mustang Sally. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. It's, it's, it's great. Um, in the I mar- guess that's one of those ones that's technically diegetic. Well, no, it's a needle drop. It's a needle drop moment. Oh, I yeah. included needle yeah, drops, okay. just non-musical numbers. Um, another needle drop. And I don't know why because I can never articulate what stuck with me about it, but um, in The Master... Uh, it's a song called Get Thee Behind Me, Satan. Mm-hmm. And it's during the shop when she's walking around with the dress trying to advertise right. the dress. Have yeah. you seen The Master? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, that moment, it's so ethereal and really otherworldly and it just sticks in my head. Every time I think of a cool use of music in a, mm. in a song, my head goes to that place. And I didn't even really love that movie, but it's grown on me over time. Um, and it suits the tone of the movie perfectly because it's all about a cult and everything like that. Mm. Um as time goes by in Casablanca, yeah, that's one of the most. It's so iconic. It's now the theme music for the Warner Brothers logo. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so you know that. 
Dun, 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 as Wait. time goes oh. by. It's the music for the yeah. Warner Brothers, because like, Warner Brothers did Casablanca. So. I've always just, that, that was very similar to the, uh, there was an instant mashed potato product. <laughs> as for mashed, yeah, it's smashed. <laughs> so I always just thought it was that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't think it was that, but that's just always what I say. Yeah. Every time I see a Warner Brothers movie, yeah. I just think, oh, uh, mashed, I put a yeah, spell smashed. on you from Hocus Pocus. <laughs> that's fun. <laughs> yeah, look, if, if we, I, You'll notice that none of mine, are, except uh, our characters singing the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. you warned against putting musicals well, in like here. Well, like musical, but I, I meant like. If I went down the musical track, I would have a never-ending list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Bad Reputation from Kick-Ass when she f- yeah. storms the corridor. Uh, yeah, yeah. I love that. And I love that song prior to it. Yeah. And that was able to sort of overcome my uh, feelings that I had with that song. Uh, I mean, the whole of Get Over It has just some great song moments in it. Uh, and the times they are a change in from Watchmen, from yeah. the opening oh, sequence yeah, yeah. of that, Watchmen. That was, it was like, mm, uh, I don't think it was as I don't iconic love, as all I the don't love that movie, yeah. but I love that yeah. title yeah. sequence. Yeah. Uh, so my number five, which is a little bit more than five. Now, and number five, sorry, number five is one of the ones where I don't know because it's both diegetic and non-diegetic. And it's Wise Up from Magnolia. It's that, the I, I sequence where they break. They all. It's all like have, you might not have seen this movie, um, mm. Alex, but it's, it's, it's this big drama. And towards the end, all these characters spontaneously break into a song that plays on the soundtrack of the movie, but they're just singing it along in their own lives. Mm. And it's this really bizarre moment. And it's really you have to buy if you're not buying into the movie at that point. It's yeah. you're going to be like, what the fuck is this? Mm. But I really find that moment deep and profound. Um, the Duettino Solaria from The Marriage of Figaro used in The Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. When he, it's a literal needle drop. He yeah. plays the song on the thing when he locks himself and it's a gorgeous scene. It's so emotional. That movie. Have you seen The Shawshank Redemption, Alex? No. <gasps> I that's a, an, that's an, that I is a, such a feel-good, amazing a movie. A feel-good movie. Yeah. It's a, it's a dramatic one, but you will feel so good by the end of it. Guaranteed. I, I the, end, I, the end pays off i have a list of films that are like so obviously that i'm gonna see it that like i haven't Netflix made at the time moment, i believe so uh it's definitely worth seeing if, if you just want sort of it's it's good it's in my top five of all time mm-hmm. uh so there's a movie called brooklyn this is sort of a taiwan there's a movie called brooklyn and uh, the song's called frankie song uh it, it's in gaelic and i'm gonna pronounce this title terribly oh, so it's, this is brooklyn 2016, 2016? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah 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 the one with saoirse ronan in the yep. lead yep. and it's this scene because she's like from ireland and she comes to america mm. to try and make life for herself and it's all about like home and where you define home to be and there's this moment where she's helping out in a soup kitchen and this irish guy stands up and performs for everyone he performs this gaelic song called casa un toigen uh also called frankie song and it's one of the most profound uses of I'm like, like literally getting goosebumps thinking about it right now because it just it it's so it's a great ties. moment in a, an average movie. I love that movie. <laughs> I didn't I went in because it was like buzzed about and I was expecting like a drama that's kind of cool blew me away in a lot of ways that I just was not expecting. I ended up seeing it like four times in the cinema. It's crazy. Hmm. Uh but that's that moment exceptional, exceptional moment. And that's that's sort of if you want to do a good drama like a good just drama drama, that's sort of the bar I have for a good drama because it's not, there's nothing fantastical. It's almost about a really kind of a tiny emotional thing. It's mm. home. It, it's moving out of mm. home is what it is and homesickness. And yet it does that so well. Yeah, so long-winded though. 
it's quite short. It's like an hour 40. It's not even that long. Um, and then, so my number three is, and this is just very recent. It's you can't hurry love by the Supremes and, but it's use in bad times at the El Royale. Uh, uh, have you seen this? No, but I've heard very good. Have things. you seen it? Yes. Yeah. It's the song she sings when he's digging up the floorboards yeah. and it's yeah, such yeah. a great integration of the song with the action, with the characters. It just all comes together. You've got to see that movie because it's so much fun mm. and it's almost a musical because of the amount of songs that are throughout it. Cool. Uh, tied with Caravan from Whiplash, which is technically a, yeah, it's, it's music without lyrics, yeah. but it's it's a very diegetic number, so well shot. That's one of the best final sequences of any movie. Have you seen Whiplash yet? Um, no, the, that one. As <laughs> a musician. Would you call that a needle drop though? No, but it's music, and and it has some. Non- it is music, but you need. <laughs> I went I for both said, needle drops and diegetic. But yeah, and this is yeah, this is di- this is diegetic. Yeah, it was, but I went for like a, an intersection of both because there are yeah. a lot of things I could have put on yes, this list. It's a very like like the dialogue one. There's a lot of as a musician though, you should watch Whiplash because it Whiplash. is very. Oh, into, I've told you this before, right? Yeah, it, yeah, I reckon you'd probably dig it as well. It, someone put it on ironically at a party, and I was trying to watch ironically, it, but it was very loud. That is not a party movie. That is <laughs> no, a exactly. Down. We were I having a party, the and they were like, oh, "I want to watch." It's like putting Whiplash. Magnolia on at a party. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so, we were, so just Whiplash um, going on. And number party. three and a half, technically, is the Diva Dance from The Fifth Element. Yeah, hmm. right. That's I love that That's number. That's a needle drop. That's a needle drop and diegetic at the same time. I should I should have put that on. I performed. I managed to sing it. Yeah, they do. Uh, although they do alter because there's certain vocal things that aren't too casual. But yeah, yeah, doesn't count. Uh, my number two. <laughs> anyone who knows me will know that this has to end up on the. It's Hail Holy Queen from Sister Act. Yep. It's the first number where she fixes the choir, and then they break out into the 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 lounge version of it. I nice. that movie is so iconic to my childhood, and it holds. It's one of my favorite mm. single moments in a movie. Just. Ever, I I adore that scene. Such a film, uh, such a good. The sequel's just as good mm. too. Um, and then my number one, and this is anyone because this is my dream to have it actually be in a room that spontaneously breaks out into this is say a little prayer for you from <laughs> my best friend's wedding. Good, I'm so glad this is on your list because I didn't put it on mine. <laughs> this is I I think because I, had, I, yeah, I don't feel that it's a needle drop, but <laughs> it's it's yeah. diegetic. Yeah. In a weird, almost musical way, but it's not because it's no, it's, it's diegetic. An, yeah, it's, it's literally yeah, yeah. happening. Weird. Uh, have you seen my best friend's wedding? No, I know the bit you're referring that one's, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I recently read a book that did a reading of that as to what makes that moment even more iconic in terms of uh, uh, Rupert Everett's character that almost segues the movie into a musical. Yeah, it's yeah. really quite revolutionary in what it's doing, and it invented the trope of the gay best friend, and then no one ever did it that well <laughs> after it. But uh, it's that I, I like. It's my dream to be at a dinner table, and it spontaneously breaks out into that. Just in a, a crowded restaurant, the more people, the better. It would just be <laughs> the best moment of my life. So that is my. So top it has point. to be. Not only does it have to be a flash mob, it has to be a spontaneous flash. Because mob everyone knows that with song. Harmony. Yes. Yeah. And <laughs> yes. And a pian- And one of the waiters sits down and plays the piano. <laughs> uh, so that's our top five. So that's our episode. Thank you so much for coming on, Alex. Oh, thank you for having me. We'll, we'll, um, thank you. Um, we'll have uh, a, all your show link, your show no- links in the show notes. Yes. 
but my songs suck and it's a great fun little podcast um i'd guessed on it if i had written any music other than my musical short film that, oh i mean that could i mean count, it had some maybe. really dodgy versions of lyrics because i was working on that for years uh but it's a really great podcast also available on network on spotify and itunes and yeah. And all your usual podcast catchers. Uh, thank you, Zane, for coming on once again and filling in. You're no, welcome. <laughs> no, thank you to Chancellor <laughs> and Josh. No, uh, we, we love you. We'll see seriously them. go on Spotify and listen to Alex's Alex's songs. They're very good. Yeah, Alex, yeah, on your you. man, Alex Smith. Thank yeah, you. yeah. Uh, my personal favorite. I mean, I love Little Automaton, uh, but I quite like. What's the other one? There's one I. Is and, it Tell Me a Lie? People seem to like that one. No, fuck, I should bring Who it up. Who knows why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, a Little Automaton's kind of my favorite, though. Hooray, I, I quite like you. that one. I mean, and that's one that a lot of people really dig into on that. Yeah. But, and we will have links to your shows and stuff like that in the lead up. Thank you, uh, thank you all for listening. We You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Picture Rangers. And if you have any questions, uh, do you have your favorite musical moments? Send us an email at motionpicturerangers at gmail.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Shane M underscore Anderson and Letterboxd at 24 frames. That's spelt 2, W-E-N-T-Y, 4 as in the number, F-R-A-M for mother E-S. Super easy to remember. Super easy to remember. It's 24 frames is how you would say it. Uh, And that's me on Letterboxd. And any socials for you, Alex? Uh, I guess just uh, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter, but I never really use it. And yeah, YouTube and your man is just as your man Alex Smith as well. Oh word. yeah, if you just search your man Alex Smith, you'll find yeah, me. It'll, it'll come up. It'll come up. And Zane C Weber. I'm at Zane C Weber on everything. On everything. So thank you guys for listening. We've been the Mighty Motion Picture Rangers, and we'll see you again uh, next week. Bye. 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 Isn't it curious that every member of your family has a different voice? That a baby can recognize their mother's voice from inside the womb? That identical twins have the exact same vocal cords but usually don't sound similar? And teenagers can sense the tone of their dad's voice when he says, I'll think about it. Even over WhatsApp. I'll think about it. Let your family follow their curiosity with unlimited data when you bring everyone's plans together on Vodafone's multi-mobile red family plan. Get a third plan for only €15 per month. 12-month contract, €15 per month. Max speed, 10 megabits per second. Applies when you add Red Unlimited SIM only as a third plan with Red Family. See Vodafone.ie for full terms. Your cousin's talking about the new lottery app. Huh. You can pick your numbers by just shaking your phone now, apparently. And maybe then you think, well, if someone's going to win it, why not me? Shake, pick and play with the new app. The National Lottery. It could be you. Play responsibly, play for fun.